Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Now, today we're joined by Carolyn Meller, who is currently running uh, the sales slash RevOps at Procore, but also has extensive experience running sales operations at PayPal, I think about six years. So I'm super excited about this discussion and diving into the, the operation of these two businesses. So Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So let's let's kick things off and understand how you got into Salesforce because I've obviously been through your your previous history. It seems like PayPal was the first time where you jumped in SalesOps. Am I correct there? Well, I think uh, actually, I feel like I've been doing sales ops forever. I'm not going to give my age away, but um, yeah, my yeah. first job uh, was actually at a group of car dealerships, and at that time, we were we were basically putting in systems to automate everything from commissions to deal process to uh, the PL. And so a lot of even my first job a long, long time ago, before probably sales ops was a thing, uh, was actually in sales ops. We just called it more of an IT job. And then I went into product, actually, uh, at PayPal. Um, I ran a, a few uh, organizations in support uh, for our customers and then came back to the business. And that's when I took over uh, a sales operations role, eventually globalized it. And then actually at the end of my time at PayPal also had sales uh, for inside sales uh, as part of my charter. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the the car dealerships and the product work, almost like part of what you're doing, it seems like with, with sales ops, and then it just formalized itself when you move back yeah. into the business. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I do. I actually think, you know, when you when you think about the, the timeline of the sales ops as a function. Um, I think it was across many different parts of business for a long time, and now it's really a formal, uh, structured job. And so I think, uh, you know, when I think about who makes great sales operators, I, I often think about people who have been in any kind of business operation function, anybody who's been in like a tech function often, and then also people who come from customer-facing roles. 
uh, people who have been in sales or CS or or marketing and really love the uh, making things better and putting processes in place to make the the company run better, uh, they all are great in sales ops. So I, I agree with you. It's more of a formalization of all of those things. Well, uh, interesting question. Why do you think that in the last like ten or so years it has been formalized? Well, I think that um, you know, with especially in in my my love for inside sales, of course, um, but. I, I feel like, especially with the ability to uh, do digital marketing, digital communication with folks, the need for operationalization of uh, sales has become more and more of a reality. And if you look at even when I look back at my car dealership, uh, everything was going through some kind of salesperson. So with technology coming to the fore, making that more efficient and helping them do their job better and giving them what they need to do their job better, that was all something that technology instigated, right? And so now as, as technology has become so much more pervasive, whether it's CRM or, or digital marketing or any of the things that we use in, in sales operations, um, it, it becomes more of a formal practice where you can use best practices, you can make things better for the sales teams as well as the company. And so I think that's why. Yeah, totally makes sense. Now, zooming into today at Procore, could you give us an overview of the sales tech stack you're running? I think that would that would take a long time. So I'll tell you how we think about it. Um, you know, we Procore is a very high growth business, and so it's been growing you know exponentially year over year for the last several years. And so, like any business of that kind, we have a wide and varied tech stack. But what we use, and I think the best advice I can give is organize around principles when you think about tech stack. And so we partner with solutions that solve business need, but we also look at how can we make that the same across the entire revenue organization. So how do we not have marketing using one set of tools for the top of the funnel and having sales using another set of tools for pipeline, et cetera? So we really try to look across, and at PayPal, same thing, try to look across what we could do across the revenue motion. And then also, uh, how do we spend our money in the best way possible? How do we look at uh, scale and make sure we're investing in um, systems and technology that uh, scale with us? And I, I really think that's super important. So again, you know, the maturity continuum of business, we move so fast, uh, regardless of where you are in the tech business. And we need uh, solutions that iterate with us and so monoliths are, are harder to deal with when you're changing for your customers' needs. And so we look for those platforms that can, can do that with us. Okay, so both consistent across the revenue organization, but then also we'll scale after you guys scale. That's the two. That's right. The two are great, amazing. Now, looking into the last few months, I assume you guys have gone more remote. How yeah. or well, what have the challenges been with that? Yeah, so actually, we've uh, the, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of companies. Um, our teams have really done amazingly uh, from a remote perspective. Um, we, of course, as an industry in construction, a lot of cha- a lot has changed with things being shut down and then opened up, and so our customers are really dealing with a lot of change. And so one of the things that was really present to us as we went remote was lead with empathy for our customers because they are going through a lot, and so. You know, that was, it wasn't a change for us, but it was a declaration uh, of us to really lead with empathy. And then, you know, over the past few months, I think we as a company have really looked at long term what we're going to do at Procore. And we've gotten really clear on our strategy. And then we've also looked at our processes 
uh, with a microscope to make sure that we can scale. And this gives us the time to know that we have to do that across the board. Um, we're going to be more remote friendly in general. And so how do we really set not only our, our internal our employees up for, for scale and for remote, but also how do we serve our customers in the best way possible there? So that may be changes to how we use technology, but it also has to be how we scale that for our next three years. And then the only thing I would say about remote is that um, we have you have to communicate more. Uh, we have done weekly uh, all company updates with our CEO. We are trying to make sure that people know what's going on and they're very aware of what's happening in the business with our customers. We do macroeconomic conversations. And then also, there is it is real to have video conferencing fatigue. I'm not going to put that on one brand or another, but... Uh, you know, there is a real, there's a realness there. And so what we've done in our organization is we've actually blocked out time for our operators to make sure that they have time to actually sit down and plan and work on things rather than just having meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And so uh, that's worked really well. We've, we've blocked out half a day that you can just work on projects and, and, you know, have some quiet time so that you're not just in one meeting after another on video. Got it. And so you're, you mentioned that the organization is prepping to be more remote going forward. So I'm assuming that some of these changes that you're making are going to persist uh, yep. indefinitely. Yep. Yeah. So we are, um, we are actually going to be more remote friendly. So we have uh, campuses all over the United States and we have campuses globally. And so we will keep that. Uh, uh, I know a lot of businesses are saying they're going fully remote. We are absolutely going to still have places and offices where people can uh, go in, but we want people to feel safe and to do that at their own speed. And so we're looking at how do we make sure that we go back at the right time and that everybody's comfortable and that um, our culture still persists. So um, we we really feel we are people first company. We really feel culture is important. And so we're, we are talking about how do we do that remotely, but also how do we do that in our offices when people go back to the office? Awesome. Have any of the targets or objectives changed over the last few months? Um, so, of course, uh, we've had some changes due to COVID, and uh, really, we're making small changes so that we can make sure we're managing our business accordingly. But at the end of the day, uh, we are still making, we want to make our salespeople and our customer facing people successful. And so that's our main goal. How do we make sure the revenue teams are set up to talk to our customers, be successful, serve them in the best way possible. And so we are adapting to COVID, but we are really have the same mission uh, from an operations perspective, as well as a company perspective. Got it. So not that much has changed. Maybe targets have tweaked slightly. We have some operational and cultural changes about remote, but overall, the, the strategy is still the same. And I assume the, the growth is just going to continue. That's right. That's right. That's the plan. Um, amazing. Now, onto onto the forecasting process. How yeah. like what? How does that work typically? And have you had to tweak that process or the way you forecast in the last few months? Yeah. So in COVID, things changed. And so, uh, you know, the way you forecast uh, is going to alter a bit. Um, if you're, especially if you're looking at past trends or you're using that as any kind of, um, you know, input into your model, you have to look at the fact that that may have changed because of, of COVID, whether you're growing exponentially because of that or whether you're seeing buying changes in, in your customer base. 
And so absolutely, we actually uh, took the same approach with the ACUs. We doubled down on forecasting. We started talking about what should we be doing and thinking about how we operate in this new normal. So absolutely, we looked at how we could change as an operations team um, so that we can make the best forecast possible. Um, we also, I would just double emphasize the overcommunication of that. So talking about that a lot and thinking about that all the way up into the executive team and what that means for us. Um, and then, you know, I do think that these all company updates and that weekly conversation on the economy, what's happening out there, what we're seeing was really an important um, part of this because it was really important that all of our employees, regardless of if they're forecasting for sales or whether they're looking at how they're going to serve their customers uh, in the CS teams, um, they really needed to know what was going on so that they could feel comfortable with all the change and, and really feel informed. And so I think that was really an important part of it. God, that makes total sense. So ensuring the information flow is if still happening, even though you're remote, and there's a few things you're doing around that, because how can you forecast accurately if people around the business don't know what's going on? That's right. That's right. Amazing. Well put. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I think because I'm, like, I'm not that technical about sales operations, my marketing is background. And so when I take the thin, I like to simplify it massively, uh, which yeah. is great for, for, for the audience that are not so informed. Um, yeah. But it might be an oversimplification at the same time. But anyway. Um, yep. Awesome. Now KPIs. Sorry about my, my little French bulldog. <laughs> no problem. The more, the more people on the call, the, the, the better, in my opinion. We had a great episode actually a few months ago. Um, with a lady from MongoDB and we actually had the, the lady's child on the interview. And oh, it was, that's awesome. so, it was great. It was so cool. That is um, awesome. Uh, yeah, that's no. one of my anyway. favorite things about this whole time is that we've mm. gotten to see people's kids, people's dogs. Procore is a, a dog friendly office for the most part. So mm. dogs were normal for our business, but uh, like getting to see people's kids and having it's awesome. My, uh, my EA has a little daughter who's five and uh, she often comes by to say hi when we're on calls. So yeah, that's great. yeah. And it's like you—you you expect that you you wouldn't get to know people better when you're not with them in person, but actually you have the opportunity to get to know them better because you're inserted into their lives. Um, that's, right. that's right. Anyway, back to to sales operations. Um, I like to talk about KPIs now. Over your time, both at PayPal and Procore, what has been a particularly useful sales metric that you enjoy following? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so I I think productivity in general is is a is a very interesting metric, whether that's uh, win rates or whether that's how things are moving through the pipeline or whether that's closed dollars. Um, I, I feel like that is really the key to to everything we do, right? And and it allows you to see things that happen and ask the questions you need to do to to change or give more to the to the teams. And so that is really like at the end of the day, that is the base of everything we do um, is productivity of our revenue um, teammates. And so uh, that's that's the one that I follow and the one that I'm really excited about. I will I will tell you, though, that one of the things that always to me is really instrumental when it comes to KPIs is getting clear on what they are and measuring them consistently. So whether you're in a huge business where you've built up all of these different uh, locations and geos and everybody's measuring differently or whether you're in a small business where you're just trying to grow into being able to measure and, 
and affect change. I think that being consistent and having, you know, uh, governance and uh, information around what you're measuring and what it means, I think is super important. And it's something that, you know, I always, uh, from an operator perspective, that is the key. If you, if you all are talking different languages, you can't, you can't affect what you need to affect to make the business run better. Makes total sense. Have, have you been looking at any different metrics over the last few months? Or does your thesis of, of those having consistent metrics, has that stayed true? Yeah. So we, um, we have the same metrics we've always had. Um, we are an OKR company at Procore. So our OKRs have changed. We change them regularly. And so our OKRs have changed, but those, the things that we are trying to impact are not changing. So we are now, uh, you know, focusing on the things we need to focus on. And that's why OKRs are great. You can uh, still affect the same things and you can change your focus on how you're affecting them. Yeah, I was actually reading a book about OKRs last night and it's, yeah, so the, the objective may remain the same, but the way you get there, you can tweak based on reality. And so I assume that's, that's right. what's happened with you. Cool. Awesome. That's right. Um, amazing. So. This, this brings us to the two final very important questions. And the first one is, who has taught you the most slash been the most inspirational in your sales ops career? You know, I go back to what I said earlier, which is um, my first boss who owned five or six car dealerships um, was so instrumental in my career. Uh, he didn't understand technology um, and he let me have that as my, you know, I was empowered to make those decisions for him. But what he taught me was after I got it, the first time I ever automated his PL, like that was amazing, right? And he would then sit down with me and talk about what he was looking at on that PL and what that meant to him and why that was important to him, you know, making money and us making money and us being a, a great uh, company. And, um, you know, that's where I got into this conversation about productivity and how we do better there and how do you um, uh, save costs, but do it in a way that actually augments the business. And so he was uh, my first mentor and he really taught me so much about what sales operations could mean to a business. And also he just taught me about business. And, And that was amazing. Yada, should we give just his first name? But should we give him a little a little shout out? I can. His his name he's no longer with us, but uh, oh, okay. his name uh, his name was Jim Arp, and uh, he uh, he was a great guy. Awesome. And then the final question is: Who is somebody within sales ops that you would love to to take for lunch? Well, I'm going to um, I'm going to say that because of the the situation we're in. Uh, that I would say my team, <laughs> because I yeah, miss I so much. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about this today. The last time we got to sit down as a team was in February at our revenue summit. And uh, we sat down as a team. And, you know, when you get a bunch of folks uh, who are revenue operations together, you have so many great conversations and it led to so many things that we're still working, you know, we're still working on. And um, I, so it, it's just been really present to me during COVID that technology is amazing and I love technology. But the fact of the matter is that being close to people and actually sitting down to a meal with them is so impactful. And uh, I can't wait to get back to it. <laughs> 
Amazing. I, I think that's a very good answer during this time is let's take the team for lunch. Um, yeah. because it's been a hard few months. Um, amazing. I think that was a very, like, I, I just love that you guys are like pushing forward. You're tweaking slight things, but the, the core strategy remains the same and you're pushing forward, like still focus on growth. Uh, it's just a nice like story to tell. And it yeah. seems like you particularly like a, a very confident and know the road that you're on or, or that's the sense I get from this interview anyway. So yeah. I think that's going to be hopefully interesting and inspiring for the rest of the sales and RevOps people listening. So yeah. Carolyn, uh, thank you so much for jumping on. Of course, of course. And thank you for doing this. It's awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.